not going to be perfect all the time. You know, there's going to be mistakes made and I'm going to figure that out along the way. But him giving me the like the chance and opportunity to do that is going to allow me to grow as a, a, a player. And I think him, you know, creating that space of, you know, we are not a, like scared to fail. We're not going to judge you for failing. It's huge. And that allows me to be the best athlete I can be and create chaos on the bag and as an athlete or as a player. I think you have to give your your uh, players a chance to mess up because it's going to give you more chances of success in the long run. Hey, I'm Ashley Agle. Some of you might know me as Ashley Burkhart, and I'm a former D1 and professional softball player who spent a few years coaching in the college game before deciding to put all of my focus into youth softball players and helping them make their dreams and their goals happen for them. It's our job to help them unleash their potential and become the athletes they've always dreamt of. I come from a small city in the Midwest and didn't let that stop me from making my goal of playing D1 softball a reality. No matter where you live, you have the tools to help you thrive, and I am hoping through this podcast to help you get there. On this podcast, you'll learn from Olympians, Hall of Fame coaches, and elite players what their journeys have been like, and you'll also learn from me and my family a bit of our journey through the game. I'm so excited to have you here, so whip out your notebook and let's learn how we can grow in this game together. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Hey, hey, and welcome back to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I'm here with a friend discussing a topic that many of you continue to ask for me to talk about, and I figured I might as well get somebody who's playing right now at a very top college, Florida to be exact. She is leading the SEC in many categories regarding base running, and her name is Skylar Wallace. Many of you will probably hear that name and be super excited because you know exactly who she is and how fierce she is on the bases. She had a viral video go crazy on Instagram last year about how she stole home. It was insane. But I'm just so dang excited for you guys to be able to learn from one of the best to do it. She's currently doing it. And here are some of the topics we talk about. We dive a lot into reads. So as a base runner, being able to read the defense, read different plays happening, and even be able to see a ball going down into the ground and being able to get a strong first step because you were able to see it early. We also talk about where should you stand at first base or second base or even third base? How should you push off the bag? How should you base run? Where should you touch the bag when you're running? These are all things that it may sound elementary, but these are things that every single softball player can be getting better at. I've said it on the podcast before, I can't tell you how many college programs are not that great at base running. And so it's not just you that needs to get better. It is literally everyone in this game. So if you're ready to become a smarter base runner or even teach base running and reading the ball better, this is your episode. I'm so excited to introduce to you Skylar Wallace, who wears number 17 for the Florida Gators. Here she is. Skylar Wallace is in the house. Hey, girl. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited to have you here. I think it's wild that we were, when we first hopped on this call, we were like, oh my gosh, it's been since you were in high school, since we saw each other. Um, So long, but that was back when I was doing all this package deal stuff and traveling with them on the roster. And you met us in, where was it? Was it Alabama or somewhere close to that? Where were we? We were in, I think it was Georgia the first time. Oh yeah. I don't remember what area, but we were at a D-Bats, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, D-Bats are so great. 
especially for clinics like those. They're so nice. Maybe you were like hitting at that place or something or had connection. I don't know, but I was just so excited because I was like, oh, this girl's going Bama. Like, my God, there's so much to learn from her. And ever since, like, I've followed you and your journey. And honestly, the amount of love you have for speed and base running and just making the defense look stupid, (laughs) let's just say it. I've been so excited about this because I know there's so much that you can share about this stuff. Absolutely. It's going to be so fun. Love running short distances, not long distances. Though. Yeah, short same. same. There is a huge distances. difference. Yes. There, there is a massive difference. People are always like, oh, you can probably like run a fast mile. Oh, yeah, I can run a fast mile, but I'm dead at the end. Um, yeah, I'm dying. I have one speed. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm excited to dive into this. Uh, before we do, though, are you excited to get back and get and get going this fall? Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, We have some new girls coming in. So I just hung out with them, met a few of them, and I'm ready to get after it. I think the two months off I had was a clearing of the mind and thinking about how we did and what we could do better for this season. So here in Gainesville now and ready to get after it and just see where the season takes us and all the work that comes along with it. Yeah, I'm glad you talked about rest because, I mean, a lot of players right now are off of a really long summer season mm-hmm. playing travel ball and some of them, they get right back into it, play at a yeah. tournaments this fall. And I'm like, I don't know if I would dig that. Like, I mean, no, it's definitely a toll on your body for sure. And don't get me wrong. I love softball with everything. It's giving me more than I can imagine, but those two months are crucial for me and my time to play. So, yeah. And when you, did you work out? If you did, were you just maintaining like, yeah. What did so- that look like? I worked out a lot pretty much every day. Just, you know, sometimes it was just like a cardio day or running or something like that, but just like a lot of strengthening and then doing things different that you normally want to do. I know people watch TikToks of like what the people are doing, you know, the supersets on the glutes and stuff. So I, I got to have some fun and do some things I normally wouldn't be able to do. So that was pretty cool, but main, just maintaining and just trying to get stronger and build some muscle and then just some cardio here and there. And that was about it. I had my brother uh, throwing me short hops out in the backyard for about 10 minutes because in Alabama, it was like 98 degrees. So I was dying, but we did that. And then just hitting here and there, but not doing too much. Just wanted to really make sure I was rested and ready to go once I came back to, to campus. Yeah. Cause you know, this fall is going to be tough. Like it yeah. always is. It always yeah. is. It's a struggle to get through it, but we do it. I know. And like, I probably maintain the same type of workouts during my summers but mm-hmm. then I, I, no matter what though, you get back to the training and the weight room as soon as you get back in the fall. And like the first two weeks, you can't it's, even walk. Like, yeah. it's, it's no matter how different. much you do it, you're still going to die those first two weeks. Those first two <laughs> weeks are someone called 911 for me because I'm, I'm not moving. I'm not literally. Going yeah. That's when you find all the athletes taking the elevators and they're getting mm-hmm. shamed for it. And you're like, bro, like you don't understand. Yeah. You, you just don't get it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, before we dive into all the speed work and base running, the stuff that we both geek out about, share with us just a little bit of your journey through the game. Like when you first fell in love with it and where it's led you. So I first fell in love. Um, I was actually watching my aunt play and I was super little, probably about four or five. And I was just throwing the ball at her games and really liked it. And just having the connection with my dad, something about the daddy daughter bond that brought us together. So I played other sports, but softball was something I always continued to play. It was just something about it that I really, really enjoy when I was little, started getting into it, played rec ball when I was little and then travel ball kind of moved my way through that. And then 
you know, you always have the arguments with your dad of you don't want to do this anymore. You don't have to like I, you just tell me, but it never gave up on it. It was something the game brought and softball players understand. It's just the competitiveness, but at the same time, your individualness that you get to do and bring to a team and everyone that comes together to for one goal. I think that's the most the coolest thing to see is like everyone brings something to the table for one thing in common. And that's something I really enjoyed about softball. And then decided I want to play college ball and go from there. And so went to Alabama, experienced my time there, and then decided to make a change for myself and transfer to Florida and haven't looked back from there. Something, you know, it's something I, softball is something you struggle with mentally a lot and you can beat yourself up on, but the best thing I've ever done is give myself an opportunity to play college softball. Yeah, off the cuff, I was telling you, it just really feels like you've hit your sweet spot. Like this is like exactly where you're meant to be. And there's there's no wonder why you're breaking records and just having the time of your life playing softball. So your growth has been fun to watch from the sidelines, let me tell you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. I'm curious, what's something that, you know, maybe you weren't warned about before college softball that like it just hit you in the face like once you got there? Because I think a lot of players, they want to grab as much information as possible before they leave and go to school. But like, what's something that like you were not prepared for? Because I think everybody's got their things. Oh, probably just like your schedule and time management on things. Because I was working out and, you know, you're doing the extra work without practice. You're hitting and you're doing school as a high schooler. But it's just different when you go to college because it's like more freedom within your schedule. So you're not going to class from eight to two or eight to three throughout the day, every day, you maybe have a class here, maybe have a class there. So it's just like time management is the hardest thing. It's just trying to figure out when can I sit down and, you know, give myself an hour to knock out this assignment. So I don't have to do it after practice. Cause after practice, I have tutoring for two hours or, you know, I, I need to eat and I need to write this other paper for this other class. So I think that was like the most thing, the biggest thing that caught me off guard was the time management on things and just how, relaxed but complicated your schedule is totally yeah, yeah i couldn't agree with that more i mean i remember having a mentor that helped me create my schedule every yeah. week because if she wasn't there i wasn't going to do it that's a lot i mean class maybe 10 to 12 or here's my lunch i get an hour for lunch and then i gotta be at practice but i gotta be at practice early because i had to do treatment and then you're at practice from two to five two to six and then it's okay, well, now I got to get dinner because I'm starving and I have tutoring and I need to knock out the assignment. But I also want to be in bed by 10 because I had to wake up at 5 15 in the morning to go to my 6 a.m. workout. Mm-hmm. So it's just a constant go. But yeah, yeah. I, I had a mentor too, and I still do. I still need help sometimes. I'm almost 23 years old. It doesn't get any easier, but you figure things out and you get smarter with things and learn things. But yeah, time management was the, the biggest thing I probably struggled with. Totally, totally. So there's a lot of dads that listen, and you mentioned your dad a little bit, but can you share with us the influence that he had on you and your game? Yeah, my dad was my biggest supporter, but yet the hardest person on me. Um, he held, held me to an expectation that I didn't even hold for myself, and I think that's why it makes it so close, but we're the same person, so we definitely had our moments that uh, we butted heads, and there's many stories <laughs> I can tell you about that one. But he just he just saw the greater the greater good of me and told me, you know, if I want to do something, I can do anything. And I think that's the biggest thing a dad can do is just sit back there and watch you do what you love, but push you to the best because he sees something in you that you can't even see in yourself. So he coached me for a little while and then that kind of 
got outgrown um, as I got older. And, you know, I thought he knew everything and I thought I knew everything and just didn't work out for that. But the best thing he did was let me play for Patrick Lewis and learn under his wing and be the leader that I was kind of meant to be in a way and go from there. But he still tries to talk to me about hitting, even though I got a hitting coach and he'll try to talk to me. I'm just like, dad, I, I get it. You've been telling me that since I was 10 years old, but our bond because of sports in a weird way is the tightest thing I've I've ever seen. I think a lot of dads and daughters understand that. Oh, 150%. Now, since you laughed about it, you have to share a story of where like you'd butt heads because I feel like it's probably the most relatable thing. Yeah. So athletes and dads. The first story I have, I was, I was 10 years old playing for a 12 U team and he was a coach and I was a catcher back then. So we were doing catching drills and the drill was where you had to put your hands behind your back. You didn't have a glove on and you would, chuck balls at you because you couldn't flinch because a lot of us were flinching if the ball was bouncing or something. And of course, you know, I'm hardheaded. I'm like, I don't flinch. Like, I don't need to do this. Like, this is, I'm not scared of the ball. Well, my dad, of course, he's just like lightly throwing them. When I get up there, he's wanting to get up and chuck it. Like, <laughs> hurting. Like you're literally nailing me in my chest right now. So we had an argument about something. I don't even remember. It was probably, I was probably being out of line a little bit, but he had everyone at the end of practice run polls Well, of course, he told me to run an extra five. Well, I didn't like that. And so I had to sit out there and run poles by myself and at a speed that he he desired. So if I slowed down or anything, it was it was all hell's going to break loose. But (laughs) after that, I had to do push ups, too. And I just remember saying, I don't understand why you make me do more things than everyone else or something. And. You just didn't, I didn't understand then, but it was for the better. And he was holding me to a higher standard because he knew I I could do more and wanted me to be the best I could be no matter what. But he also didn't want to be the coach that, you know, was daddy ball. So he always made me do extra things to show to other people that, you know, this may be my daughter, but I know she's not the best on the team and she will never be the best and just the princess of it all. So she's going to work for what she once and if she wants to play, then she'll figure it out and she'll find a way on the field. So that was that's the first story, but whew, there's a lot, there's a lot. <laughs> I love that story. It's such a good one. It reminds me of when my dad used to just like it would be after practice, and let's say I didn't do well on the backhand. Mm-hmm. My dad would just like hammer balls to me at shortstop. Oh, yeah. Just like for I feel what was probably only 10 minutes felt like two hours. Oh yeah, and you're it done. was the scariest moment of my life. Mm-hmm. But it's just those little moments that you realize that your toughness is tested. Right. And obviously, I'm sure our dads maybe regretted some of that later. Yeah. yeah. Well, I interviewed my dad in the podcast and he was kind of sharing some of that stuff. Like, because I would share horror stories. I'm like, Dad, do you remember when you did this? And he's just like, well, no. And I'm like, well, now you remember. I I was kind of scarred. Um, (laughs) But it just, the amount of love and passion that they have for you and your dreams is, it's just like one of those that that's why they're hard on you, you know? And I wish more kids knew that, especially because like I was 25 when I realized this stuff Mm -hmm. Um, and you're 23, not far off from that. So it's interesting how the older you get, the more you realize like yeah, how much they do love you. When you're younger, because you're just like, oh, my dad's, he's so mean. Why does he do this? But as you get older, you see like why he did it. And then you understand. You're just like, thank you. Because I don't know if I would be where I'm at without you. Yeah, 100%. Oh, I love that. Now let's talk about speed. Where did your love for just being an athlete and 
developing speed and whatever aspect of base running you love, like where did this start? Probably when I was about first grade to what, seven, eight-ish. And I was playing baseball in Arab, Alabama with all these little boys and I was just smoking them in races. And it was <laughs> the best thing ever because they love to talk crap and thought I couldn't do anything they could do because I was a girl but I was like oh yeah you want to you want to talk so let's go run because I'm I'm about to I'm about to kick your butt and would we would race and they would get embarrassed every single time and then just getting older I mean I had to give some credit to my mom because I know she's the speed of the family she ran track in college at Auburn but just growing it. I'd love to be fast. I think it's really cool to, you know, trigger your, your hips and your legs in a way that you, most people can't. So just really growing up being fast, I guess one, and then just building off it and being explosive got me into being base running and just taking advantage of defense. I, I mean, why not still an extra base and do a cool slide or something? It's pretty sick. Yes. So your speed, it started at a very, very young age and mm-hmm. you just love to race people. I love that. Now, who taught you how to run? Because you and I both know like there, you can be fast, but then you can be faster by having better mechanics. So who taught you how to run? Was it your mom? Was it someone else? Yeah, I had a trainer um, when I was younger. His name was Joe. And that's when I kind of realized, like started getting into working out, not too early, but like started working out, doing little things here and there. Obviously, I learned how to do the base running in the bare minimum when I was little and, you know, just running races and 5Ks and stuff like that when I was younger. And then you have all the little school events that you do and you would run, you know, but that's what kind of the first part and learning that and then really got into the training for sports specific things and did like sled work and like leg drives on the wall and just things like that, that really built my speed and my explosiveness to grow from there and start learning how to properly do that. And then I ran track my junior year in high school, maybe sophomore year, junior or sophomore, junior year, one of the two been a while, but did that and really learned about the footpath and how to like keep it going and moving. So one thing that was super hard and a lot of softball players, I highly recommend just to go onto a track and try to figure it out is a skips, B skips and C skips. Mm. It's one of the most complicated things I feel like to learn, but once you do it, it gets your legs in motion and stride that will allow you to pick up your speed and move your legs as fast as you, as your body will allow you to do it. But it's confusing at first because you had to keep one yeah. moving and then the other one's just straight. So you're like, what is this? But it's pretty cool. And that's kind of the start of probably learning how to run and then stride and explosiveness and all of that from there. That's, I'm glad you said that because it is mentally challenging, like it trying is. to figure out the exact step. Because I remember the first time I learned A skips, I just could not get it down. It took me like a Hard. month and I'm like <laughs> to perfect it. But it was one of those where I'd leave a session and I'd be like, I need to figure this out. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, it's like, it almost pisses you off because you're like, how do you do this? I was trying to figure it out. And just, I would look, I know I look like an idiot out there. Yeah. I know my was <laughs> yeah. like, what is she doing? But finally I figured it out. But yeah, yeah. you're like, I need to, I need to know how, how to do that. I want to know. Yeah. And you're just, you're just figuring it out. I love that. Mm-hmm. Now I kind of felt the same way with the ladder like ladder drills and stuff. You probably love the ladder with agility. Same thing, like learning. I I can compare like learning the A, B, and C skips to learning a new drill in the ladder. Yep. Like the tougher it gets. So for those of you who are like, where do I start? I think a ladder is probably a good start. 
Um, and I guarantee you, somebody can go find an A skip, a B skip, and a C skip on YouTube. Oh, like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, like, I'm glad you mentioned that that's kind of where you started because mm -hmm. I think for athletes that are just not knowing where to start, that's a really, really good way to yep. do that. Ladders um, are a good place to start on things, just getting little footwork here and there down. It's yeah. Did you ever do ladders where you would exit the ladder and have to sprint like five yards after? Oh, yeah. Did you ever do that? Yeah, I did that a lot. I did hurdles at the end of it or hurdles into the ladder, or you had to do the ladder into a box jump or there was, there's all kinds of things you can do. But a lot of times, yeah, I, you were doing something at the end of the ladder. Most of the time, you never just were doing the ladder unless it was mm -hmm. a warm up. Right. I like that you were doing stuff into it because being able to learn how to accelerate and decel, like mm -hmm. when and do it fast, it takes yep. it takes a long time. Like it takes yep. a lot of reps, which is why you know naturally athletes who just grow up, you know, racing boys in the backyard or like just playing any sort of sport at a young age, like you kind of learn some of these skills mm -hmm. at a younger age. But for those that have not had that, don't worry, you can still get better at this stuff. And this is such such a good place to start. Did you grow up watching like anybody, any base runners growing up that you were just like, oh my gosh, I want to be like this person? Natasha Watley. Mm. Watched her a lot. I just loved how she was so quick. Like she could just put a ball, an easy ball in play and just beat it out. And you're just like, how? Like that was a slow ground ball to the pitcher. Like how did you beat that out? But mm -hmm. yeah, she was one person I watched. Can't really think of anyone else right now. Mine was Caitlin Lowe. She oh, was good one. Yeah, but I'm a little older than you, so <laughs> good one. Yeah, but the they did. Was my, yeah. my person. Mm -hmm. no. Yeah, they're they're two of the greats. Actually, Natasha was one of our first episodes where we talk about base running on the podcast. No um, she's way. Been on, she's been on twice now. Mm -hmm. No way. What a coincidence. Yeah, well, it makes total sense. It makes mm -hmm. total sense. But yeah, it's funny because the way you two run the bases is so similar too. Yeah, makes it makes absolute sense right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm loving this. Have you talked to her before? Have you met her? I have not. She's well, she's in my um agency. Oh, oh players I, collective. Yes. Yeah. But I have never talked to her or met her or anything. That's on my mm -hmm. list. It's on my list. I can help you out, girl. <laughs> I need some help. <laughs> okay. No, I, want, I mean, I got her autograph and I was like little in line, but like that was years and years ago. But oh my I've gosh! Never met her at, when I've gotten older or anything. I have her number. I did save her number when she put her name. I was like, oh yeah, I might need this one day. But <laughs> but yeah, I am. We'll get to you two her. connected. That yeah, you will. You will so soon. Um, okay, so let's get down to like the simplicities of base running because I think that like let's just start here. When do you leave the bag? This one might be controversial. Only because I know in my mind, I tried to leave like this early, you know, mm -hmm. like, but you can't really tell the difference between when it's released or not like by that much. But like, what are you looking for to leave the bag? Like to start moving? Maybe okay. we should start with how do you start on the bag? Because I think that has a lot to do with like when you leave. Okay. So I do a left foot on the bag facing the direction I'm going and then right foot back. And I kind of start laying like over my leg. So I'm kind of leaning forward. And then as yeah. the picture goes, I'm kind of doing a rocking back to shoot out kind of motion. So it's like a sway in a way. Sway in a way. Yeah. Sway on words. But 
I'm usually leaving. So the pitcher, as she comes up to the top of her windup, her circle, about from the top or about right behind her head to like when she's going to release is when I'm kind of starting my sway. And I'm, I'm leaving right as she gets close to her, like her back hip. So I'm leaving, telling on myself a little bit early, <laughs> but I had to have that motion to create. So it looks like I'm leaving early sometimes when really I'm actually e- either on time or late actually when yeah. it's released. Cause I have to go forward to go back and then I'm shooting forward again. So it looks mm-hmm. earlier sometimes. And that's why I get called for leaving early in some ways. But if you slow down the videos and look at the hand motions and when my foot's off the back, it's usually on time or late most for the most part that I have seen. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Perfect all the time. But for the most part, that's how I do it. And just right. Probably about shoulder width. I would say to the hip is when I'm starting my motion. That's a good, yeah. Starting or going back. Yep. So, so, so you must not go back far then. It must just be, oh yes, let's get a demo. It must not be going back far. It's probably just like a tiny no, negative move. No, forward so I can see pitcher because usually you have first base in front of you and you ha- can't really see. So I'm yeah. forward and it's just a back and it's like heel to the ground of the bag and then it's going. Good. Now, now where? Okay. I love that. Now, where is your foot on the bag? Because I think that's important. Almost using a bag as like a launch pad. Do you have yeah. like, is the ball of your foot pushing off the inner half? Yeah. So the inside part of the bag that's going towards second or facing that, that side facing second, I'm on that back corner closest to the outfield. Okay. That's where I put okay. my foot. And my, I always, t- like my feet are never straight because I just can't start like that. So it's always corner. And the heel of or the arch of my foot is usually on the bag. And it's okay. all right around that corner to really explode off that foot for power. Love it. It's like your starting block. Mm-hmm. Good. Now, this is something that I took very seriously when I was base running. I actually had the same stance too. I want your take on like how important do you believe the first step is? Oh my God. The first three steps to me is the most important. And that's honestly a judgment if I'm stealing or not. Because if mm-hmm. those first three steps are not good, then I'm not going to get anywhere. And I feel it's going to take me twice as long to get to second as it would if I had those first three steps so explosive. It's going to feel 10 times faster. I'm going to get there half the time. Yeah. My first three steps are critical to me. Mm-hmm. Have you ever, okay, this is going to be us nerding out for a second, but have you ever taken those first three steps on a steal and did not feel like it really clicked? And then you're yeah. like, oh God, like I better figure, <laughs> better pick up yep. speed. Yeah. Like it truly is within the first three steps, whether you know, if you're, if you're easily going to beat it out or if it's going to be like a close play or even get out. Yeah. There's been multiple times where it's just like your body, like you just don't sync up. Right. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. Like you don't sync up. Right. Like you're like, Oh, I, I got to wait for this moment. You're waiting for your moment to go. And then it's like a stutter step. And then it's just like, something doesn't click. So you're like, okay, I got, I got to go. So you just somehow try to pick up speed or time or lose time to get in the bag. So Usually like something like that, I'll probably go into the back of the bag and try to do a hook light or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's been multiple times that happens and it's the worst feeling ever. Cause you're just like, Oh mm-hmm. shit. Like, am I going to be out for this? I know. I felt that too, for sure. Now, God, if people aren't taking notes right now, I don't know what they're doing. Um, they're probably going to have to like replay some of this stuff because we're, moving <laughs> yeah. um, but so when do you peak? 
because obviously we need to know, like, if we know that it's a, um, you know, someone's swinging through and not going to hit the ball, we don't have to peek. But if it's just like a blind steal and like the hitter's still hitting, when do you take that peek? Pretty late, honestly. I honestly wait for a sound more than anything than a look, just because mm. I like to see where the shortstop's setting up and what she's looking like on a tag. And it's, I'm kind of reading her in a way with the second baseman out of the corner of my eye. So I'm really waiting for a sound of anything. And then once I hear a sound, I'll kind of look up and try to figure out what's going on. But with speed so quick and I'm stealing with a green light, it's kind of just you got to risk it and go. Because if I'm stealing and she decides to hit a line drive or a pop-up, then it's you just put the brakes on and try to do what you can to get back or read the situation there. But sometimes right. you, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, just part of the game. But, yeah, I don't look till like, super late or until I hear a sound. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I hate, I hate this with a fiery passion when a coach gets upset with a player who is taking a full steal and is like more than halfway and the ball is hit mm-hmm. and, or, or at least halfway, I, I don't know how far yeah. you can get, but like when it's like the hardest line drive ever and it's an easy out, like I hate when coaches get mad about that. I've never seen like a college coach get mad about this, but yeah. I have seen travel ball and younger coaches like understand that your player was trying to steal. Like, right. It's, it's a risk. Right. You, if you have to risk it sometimes she's trying to put herself in a scoring position. So if that person hit the line drive one pitch later, she could be scoring, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it's frustrating. Cause it's just, there's nothing you can do sometimes like as fast as you are. And as fast as you can put on the brakes, like you're not getting back, like, especially in a college level, I would say they're going to catch the ball and make a throw easily. And this, there's just nothing you can do at that point. Like it's, yeah. okay, you know, that's unfortunate because if I would have went one pitch later, she would have hit that pitch one pitch later, like it would have been a different outcome, but sometimes it, it happens like that. And it's just nothing you can do. Literally. So when you're leading off, do you mm-hmm. still focus on a powerful first step? Yes. Or does that not matter as much? Okay. Yes. Why? Always focus on powerful first step. No matter what, no matter where I'm at, no matter where I'm hitting, where what base I'm at, nothing. Mm-hmm. I was the same way. And I think a lot of people, well, one, it was always fun when I was younger, when they're like, ceiling. And you're yeah. like, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> love when they do that. I love it when you're like so powerful off the first three steps and they're like going and I just stop. And I'm like, ah, like, gotcha. <laughs> the funniest it's, thing my favorite. it's my favorite too. But there's a purpose behind it. You don't do it so that they always think you're ceiling. Well, that actually might be a reason, like keeping yeah, the defense on high alert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want to add a little stress. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the most important part of that first step being so aggressive is that if the pitcher like wails it with like you and you have a good first step where you're off like one or two steps already, if you have that quick reaction, which takes time to, to create for you, but if right. you have a quick reaction, you can take that bag. Yeah, you, easily. It, and this is where I'm sure you feel the same way. It's like when you're on second base and you take that powerful first step and you see that ball going down, it's like into the ground. What do you do? I'm, I'm around, I'm going to third and I'm trying to get to home as quick as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when the hitter hits it. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. If you see that happening. Oh, I was ball, thinking more. Pitcher, the, yes. yes. Oh, I'm when the pitcher not even stopping it. my stride and just sliding into third base. Mm-hmm. Try to take that extra bag. If I see the ball going down, then oh yeah, or at least rounding it for maybe ball to the um, backstop or something. But I'm trying to get to that bag. If I see the ball going down, 100 percent taking it. Yeah, off. 
And with a good first step, you have you're it's not even a question that you're gonna be yeah. safe. But I if you have a crappy first step, step allows you to be a quicker reaction because your hips are staying in motion and you're being explosive through your hips and your legs to be able to react quicker than if you're just like last of day school or you know, doing something where just being like half, I don't want to say half fashion, but in a way, you're just not taking it that seriously. You're you're just setting yourself up for a failure on that part because you're not being explosive and you're not going to be able to react as quick and get yourself in a better position for scoring, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And there's something so powerful in um, you take your aggressive one or two steps just on a lead. But mm-hmm. like, I hate when players, they, they're at this like hard stop because you yep. literally just made it so much harder to react. Now you're on your heels for a second to stop. But what I noticed you do really, really well is that like, your lead is like, it's like a rolling lead. It's mm-hmm. like, you're ready for something to happen. And if it doesn't, you go back. I think one thing that I learned a couple years ago and Coach Walton's really, really big on, especially with leads and stuff. And no matter what kind of speed you have, if you're quicker, you're not, no matter what, I think you should always keep your hips forward. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing for trying to take extra, like advantage of bases is keeping your hips in motion to where they're going rather than trying to take a lead, turn to face the, the catcher or pitcher, and then going back forward to the, the base again. I think that's a huge thing too that will help with the reaction no matter what, like I said, no matter what speed you are. Just keeping mm-hmm. your hips in that line of where you want them to go is going to be co- easier for you to react to things happening and read balls better than anything, turning them. Yeah. Once you turn, stop, then you have to either move your hip, open it back up, and try to get your leg into position to run, or you're just running zigzags at that point. But, yeah, I think that's a huge thing, too, when running. Yeah. Now, for those players, I will advise that have not thought about any of this before and maybe are a little slow with reaction right now because – when we first started, we were very slow with our reaction. This mm-hmm. took so much time to develop. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't advise the hips being forward until you've kind of mastered the mastered, reaction yeah. and, and that stuff. I think I remember when I was like slowing down, like, so when I took my lead and I would slow down, I think my hips would turn maybe a little bit towards the catcher, yeah. not fully, but like just a little bit in case there's like that quick, you know, yep. throw back to second. Yeah, um, I but I'm, yeah, but even uh, if they throw it back and I see it soon enough, I still can go to third if I wanted. Yeah. So, but I, I do like that advice. It's really good advice for those speedsters. Yeah. I didn't even learn that. I would say until I guess USA was probably the first time I kind of heard about it and then kind of implemented it my own at Alabama. And then really coach Walton was a huge stand of doing that. But for travel ball, when I was younger, I was always turning my hips and figuring it out and just using my speed to read things and figure out how to get to the next base. Mm-hmm. So good. So do you, ha- you probably have a green light whenever mm-hmm. you read something. Yep. Yeah. Did you have a green light when you first stepped on campus? Yep. You did? Pretty much. That's good. Mm-hmm. Now, for, for most people, especially young ones, like playing travel ball and stuff, you have to earn that. Like, yeah actually for everyone, you have to earn the green light. And this is something that I did not get a green light until I think my last year of travel ball. So like, and then, and then at school, all of my fall was proving to people that like, I knew how to be scrappy on the bases. And I pretty much had that immediate green light too. Now with that privilege of a green light, let's talk about like 
when, and this is actually one of my academy members. Um, I asked my group, my virtual hitting academy members, like, hey, if I had a speed expert on the show, like, what would you ask? And one of them said, like, when should you be super aggressive? And when should you maybe have a little bit more of a yellow light as a base runner? I think knowing one, what's going on in the game. So what inning you're at, um, the score of the game, and then also who's hitting behind you is a thing to kind of pay attention to. So like, for example, when I had Reagan Walsh hitting and I was on first or second, I'm kind of being more aware of what I'm doing just because she was a power hitter. So there's a lot of line drives and deep fly balls that I might have to tag on or even a home run or something like that. So I'm just paying attention to what's kind of her swings looking like and knowing mm-hmm. how she is as a hitter. Um, also determining, like I said, the inning, you know, you, you always want to take risk and be aggressive early in the game. But when the game's on the line and, you know, you're down by a run in the bottom of the seventh, being aggressive probably isn't the smartest thing just because you have to have a hit come through to score you anyway. So why mm-hmm. even trying to get out or they make a crazy play or something or the umpire calls you for leaving early when you could like you had to have a hit to score you anyways. So mm-hmm. it's just being, like super smart on your situation and then just like knowing the hitter that's behind you. I mean, Charla, I figured me and Charla kind of had a connection before we even came to Florida and played together. So I kind of knew her more than I did Reagan, but Reagan, I learned pretty quick in her tendencies as a hitter, but like Charla also knew me as a runner. So just having her know me as well, knowing like, okay, you know, Skylar likes to leave in these counts or when things like this or situations are like this, she's going to take an extra base or something. So she knew me just as much as I knew her, which allowed us to be a good pair together and take, take those back. But I think the first thing is really just knowing the situation of the game, where you're at in the game, the outs, the scores, just little things like that is when I would, that's going to tell you a lot of when to be aggressive and maybe when to hold the brakes on being aggressive. Good. Okay. So beginning of the game, let's be crazy. Like let's, let's see what we can do. Not crazy, like crazy, uh, crazy, but in like our responsible way. Right. Um, but let's, let's see what this catcher's got. Like, I think that was always a mindset for me early on. Now let's get a little more specific because I think that's what people are asking for. They're like, okay, well, did you ever like know when a changeup was coming? And if you did, was that, was that a go for you? Was that a green light for you? Is that something you look for? I wouldn't say I specifically look for it, honestly. I would say more, this is going to sound crazy, but for me as a <laughs> runner, if I think too much, I start to second guess or think I'm not capable of getting to the next bag or I'm going to do something. So I'm just reacting a lot, reacting a lot to what's going on, but also having a sense to what the game's looking like. And like I said, my hitter, obviously, but I think like as a hitter, I don't even like being told when the changeup's coming. I just want to react. Yeah. Like, I don't want to have to Same. think, hey, like here, I just heard the, the code word for changeup. Now she's going to throw a changeup. Is it going to be a strike? Now I'm looking if it's a strike or a ball. And am I going to swing? And so I just like to react to it. I think it just allows for more naturalness to come through. And so the same thing with my running. So, I mean, I can read the ball pretty well at the hand of what she's doing. So if I see the changeup, and what she's throwing that like, okay, well, she's throwing the change up pretty well to this game. Maybe my hitter is going to hit it. So let's just be more aware. I'll probably go for a bigger lead at that point, just to put myself in a better situation to get to the bag. But I'm not really looking or getting told or looking for specific things. It's just kind of letting the game tell me what to do. In a mm. way. Oh, can we put that on a t-shirt? Let's let the game tell me what to do. 
Yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was good. I love how you- that is true. I'm just telling, letting it tell me what to do. Not no, it's so, you're it. so right. You're that's exactly that's what I think base running should be. It shouldn't be, and that's what hitting should be. That's what pitching should be. None of it should be, you know, thinking too much. And I think, and someone told me this one time, and I thought it was pretty good advice. Like some players, they do want the data. They yep. do want to know when the changeup's coming. And some players, they don't. I was just like you. I don't, I don't want it. Yeah. I want to be able to find it on my own. You right. know? Now, when it's a little bit later in the game, tight game, um, that doesn't mean you don't never go, right? It's, right. it's like, but as far as I, I remember, I, I, if it was an obvious, I'm safe, like no brainer. But like, when are those moments when you know that you're going to be safe? Like, is it one of those where if you see it early, the pitcher throwing it into the ground? Like, give me some scenarios where it's like, yeah, even if it's tight, like, I'm probably going to go here. This is a tough question. <laughs> well, I think the one thing is how is the catcher's arm? Because mm-hmm. no matter if the shortstop catches a bad throw or not, you can still get out. I've experienced that quite a few times. So how is the catcher's arm looking her arm speed to get down to the bag? And have I stolen her before? I think I base a lot of that because if I've gotten to the bag safely, and a good amount of time before in the game, then I'm easily taking the bag again because I'm going to push you to do better and see if you can actually get me out because mm-hmm. I'm confident in myself and I'm going to bet on myself every single time. So if you didn't get me out the first time, oh, I'm going to run on you again, no doubt. But then also I think it's looking at, you know, with the situation stuff, where's my shortstop playing? Where's my second baseman playing? Because once you still one time, they're more aware so they're trying to mm-hmm. find ways to cover you and they start to think more like, oh, okay, well, Skylar already stole early in the game and it was pretty bad. You know, we weren't even close. So let's shift our defense. And even though we're later in the game, try to get her out because we don't want her on the base. Okay. Well then my hitter is going to go into a motion of, you know, we're going to have to have a cover on or something. And then it's like, where's my shortstop playing? Where's my second baseman playing? And what's my outfield looking like? Don't think the outfield's not important either when you're base running, because it will tell you a lot for what they're going to do. And it's also, mm-hmm. okay, well, if they overthrow and my outf- my center fielder's all the way back at the fence, oh, yeah, I'm not even going to – I'm going to pop up side and go third because, like, she's not getting me out either. So that's a huge key too. But, yeah, it's, I would like to look – I look a, look a lot at the, what the shortstop's doing and her tendency mm-hmm. of what she's doing and then obviously the situation, all that good stuff. But shortstop's going to tell you a lot about what's going on. Good. Good. I love that you're constantly reading. I mean, I think every play, I almost noticed your eyes are like, okay, where are they? Now, what's a what's a signal for you? Like, when is it where, again, you're an aggressive base runner and you notice that shortstop's really leaning towards that 5-6 hole? Uh-huh. And, and that second baseman isn't really very close to second either. Is that like a for sure or what's going through your head there? Oh, yeah. If I see the shortstop's at a couple of extra steps for the 5-6 hole, like, no doubt going. Especially a pop-up slide to the I always pop-up slide. I think I just something I do all the time. But I'm going for a pop-up slide towards the back of the bag and making it harder for her to even get a tag on me. So yeah, if she's cheating that way and trying to cover, and you know, she's like, oh, the second baseman's co- probably gonna cover the st- the bag on the steal. I'm not scared about that because I'm sliding right into her path of direction. So that throw has to be perfect for her to make a tag on me. Mm-hmm. So I just love your thoughts of just like, no, you're going to have to beat me. Yeah. Like, like, I, is that what you're always thinking about? Like, Hey, shortstop, you're not going to get me out or this catcher. Yeah. There's no way. Are those just everyday thoughts for you? Yeah. So we always time down the, the throw for our opponents to see 
as runners what her pop time is. So I know my speed from first to second and my strides about 10, 10 steps full stride if I'm being explosive off the bag. And so if I can get down there in 10 strides and under her pop time, then yeah, I, you're going to have to beat me unless you make, mm-hmm. cause most of the time the catcher has one has to catch the ball, transfer the ball, get on her knees and, or stand up and however she wants to do it and make a good throw. And the amount of time that I have 10 steps to get from first to second. And sometimes react to a hitter. Yes. Too. And you have that yeah. all into play. So they have a lot of things to go right for them to make it get or to get an out on me. Mm-hmm. So like I said earlier, I'm going to bet on myself every single time to get down there and find a way in the bag, then bet on my, uh, bet on the opponent. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. I just, I think talking about the mentality of being an aggressive base runner is just as important as like the mechanics. Yeah. Because if I ever was standing on first, and I don't know if you're the same way, and I did not think I would be safe, I never was. Nope. You yeah. have to if be I able start, to say. If I have that thought going on my head, I'm, you know, I'm going to let my hitter just move me over because that's not my day to yeah. take it back. Yeah. Do you have cues that you say to yourself, like beat the ball or whatever that you say to yourself yeah. when you're about to steal? <laughs> I always say speed kills. Yeah. Doesn't be a badass. I'm going to name that episode. This episode speed kills. Yeah, that's what I always say. <laughs> speed kills. Oh, and yeah. well, speed kills. I forgot. Be a badass and speed creates chaos. Mm, it does, though. Mm-hmm. It really does. Nothing it's makes me more ones. happy than seeing a defense spiral because I made them nervous. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. Well, I should say it's funny. It is funny. It's but so funny. It's so funny because you're just like, dang. I this just my my footwork and my speed work just got you out of all out of whack. And now it's just yeah, yeah. That's and when you can rattle the pitcher, this whole so, game is yours. It's you you heard me a little nervous. You're like, oh, you're you're done. You're done. You're done. <laughs> okay, I have to ask now. Have you ever stolen home? Have you ever done that? It's a risky thing. Oh wait. I think this when might I have been on record. uh Florida. Yeah, please I'm elaborate this record. story. <laughs> Oh, that's a, that's a moment. Um, so we're playing USF. It was a one run ball game or a no run ball game. We're zero, zero. And I got on first base. Honestly, I don't remember how I got on. Maybe a walk. I'm not sure. But I got on first base and obviously we played them a couple of times and with it being a zero-zero ball game, we need someone to get into scoring position. We obviously haven't been hitting the, the best. You know, Georgina was pitching a really good game. So I, in that moment right there, you need someone to score in position because you're not really getting hit. So one hit to the outfield, you need that runner to be able to go and get home. So with my speed, you know, now's the time I'm taking advantage of, you know, the situation and taking a bag. So I think it was the second pitch. I got a really good lead the first time, so I'm feeling good. And I just was like, you know what? Taking the back. Here's this next pitch I'm going no matter what happens because we we had to do something. And so went into second, slid into second. The shortstop missed the throw. It wasn't the best throw. And I pop up slide and read it and just went to third. And the whole time I'm looking, like I can, okay, this is going to be weird. But once you figure out like your strides and how you are as a runner, you're going to have a feel for the game and how balls work and like how they're going off, like a missed throw or a, like a throw to the outfield or a cut or 
yeah, something off the glove or a bounce, or if it hits you, like you're going to be able to read that and feel what's going on. So when it went off the glove and into the outfield, I kind of read, I'm already going to three, but I'm going to round pretty hard to go to four to make her make a throw. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of feeling that. And so when I went to do that, I popped up slide, went to third coach Walton's just waving his arms to go. So I, at this point I'm full, like full speed running. So like, there's no stopping at all. And so I just kind of rounded third and just went for it as powerful as I can. I think the, the explosiveness off the bag and like using that bag as a point to like push myself off was a huge key into just making a slide into home and being safe. That's like the key difference because the girl made a really, really great throw home. And if it was one second later, I was out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. And then just, I remember getting up and being like, oh, wow. <laughs> that was That's a, a lot, lot of running for Skyler. <laughs> wow. Like, I was like laughing. My, my, all my teammates are going crazy because they knew what just had happened. It didn't even click with me until I got into the dugout. But I was just like, wow, I need some water because I am out of breath. That was a lot. First to home. And amount of probably, I don't even know, 15 seconds. That was such a cool moment. Like I'm getting goosebumps because I'm rem- I'm playing the replay in my head now because I remember going nuts when I saw this. For those that are like, what play is this? Like I'm going to go through the archives and find this for you so you can yes. see it. But it was literally like a movie. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And for anyone who doubted me on not touching third, I touched third. So <laughs> you're here and you're like, well, you didn't touch third. Just know I did touch third. I did. I did. I did. You did. You did. that's amazing controversy there but I liked how you mentioned knowing your stride Mm -hmm. because if you don't know yourself as a base runner you can't make these risks you can't take these risks because because you don't know if you can make them but did you find yourself growing up in travel ball like figuring out what you could do like getting out a lot so that you can see okay maybe I shouldn't go on this play like what did your travel ball days look like to get you here so yeah I mean you have to you have to take risks to learn things like you always learn through failure. Right. So, you know, just taking advantage of situations in travel ball and just watching the game will tell you a lot. I mean, there was multiple times that my dad would want to leave the field and I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to watch this for a minute. It wasn't all the time because it was hot and I was exhausted, but you just watching the other, other team and how they're doing things and what they're teaching their players. And then we always use the rule of at you or behind you at second base. If you're, if the ball is at you, then you need to go or maybe freeze. Or if it's in front of you, you need to freeze and watch. And then behind you, obviously you need to go and take third um, on ground balls or stuff like that. But just like little things that you would see other teams do and what your coach was telling you. And then just you know, the best way to learn is through failure, like I said. So you have to take risk in order to learn things. So just figuring out what I can and cannot do as a runner helped me a lot to be the runner I am now in college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just it's, taking like what the catcher's doing on certain throws on what she's doing like this. And, you know, with a play like this, I mean, you, there's so many things that you can go through the defense shifting like this or, the situation being this and I'm taking third base or something like that in travel, there's so many opportunities just to figure out what you can and cannot do. I mean, cause the game doesn't really change once you come to college and doesn't get faster or nothing. It's just the best, the best players at that point. So it's just all high level players. They're all the same, but you, you see people that you play travel ball against. So, you know, and mm-hmm. it kind of advantage to like, Oh yeah. And travel ball, 
I did that to you and I've gotten 10 times faster. Like I'm doing it again. Yeah. And I will say, I thought my freshman year, I thought I could do all the things that I could do in travel ball. I did play a high level travel ball, but only for like two years. So I did like, even in the fall. And this is where I'm like, if you're playing fall ball, it does not matter as much as like the middle of summer where you're playing in a world series. So like now is the perfect time to test this out Yeah, because it was like fall ball of college for me that I'm just remembering. Like I was making mistakes left and right as a base runner because our catcher was one of the best in the Big Ten, and and we were scrimmaging. And I was like, oh, like she won't get me out. And then like she freaking makes you look like an idiot. And yeah. I'm like, okay, this is how it's gonna be. But without the risks that I was taking, I wasn't gonna know what I could and couldn't do. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And fall is a huge time. Like you just said, I didn't even think about fall. You're playing all these teams in the fall that don't even mean anything. So why not take the chance on doing something to figure out what you cannot do and set yourself up for success in the, in the spring and summer. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's and, huge. And practice, like yeah. just do practice. it. There's so many times that we do live base running and it's freaking, it sucks. But those moments when your coach is just sitting there telling you and helping you out, like take advantage of that. 100%. Yeah. He, he's going to see a lot of things and help you out. I mean, I don't know if schools will do it, but we'll do live on the field and we'll have base running as a station and we have outfielders. So you're reading the ball and on things like, okay, well, maybe in this situation, I'm going to tag on that ball, or maybe in this situation, I'm going to get as far off as possible in case, you know, she misses it so I can take another back. So just learning things like that, that will help you a lot. Yeah. We did so much live base running. So much. Um, my freshman year, um, freshman sophomore year, our coach, um, she was like, we're going to be the fastest team in the Big Ten. And so the first 10 minutes of every practice, we're doing some sort of live base running where we have, sometimes we'd have runners at all the bases. And then she would say, okay, everybody's an individual on the bases. So we had to pretend like there wasn't anybody behind us or in front of us. We were just ourselves. Right. And either we had a coach hitting or um, a player hitting off of like a front toss or something. And it was like, read it and figure it out. Yeah. And we were never, we were never in trouble for making mistakes in practice no. ever. No. And, and I think this is where sometimes like, and that's the thing I know, like it's a big situation, but like in practice, this is where you have to just let your, your runners like figure it out yep. and it, let your runners ask you questions. Don't yep. tell them what to do. Ask them like, how could you have done that better? And then yeah. make them process that because with all of that, that's how I learned when to be super aggressive, when to tag up and feel like I could go. Is that what you guys do a lot of at Florida? Yeah. So we'll have, like I said, the situation or a live base running going, and then just like reading the balls the same way and figuring it out. And I think a lot of times like we'll help each other on things too. So like the, we had a girl come in in the fall last year and she super fast, but she just wasn't reading the balls like the best that she could. So I was always putting a group with her just to kind of help her out on that. Um, just to make her a little bit more comfortable because she was new to the team and didn't know coach Walton as well, but he's, you can ask him anything. I think just putting your ego aside and not being scared or nervous to talk to your coach. I mean, that's, they want you to be the best you can and they want you to they want to win too. So why not ask a question just to help you out and they can help you out as well. I mean, mm-hmm. this, I always ask us, well, I'm like, Hey, on this ball, like maybe what would you think in a situation like this? And he's like, well, he always tells me, I know myself better than he does, but maybe at this, you know, we would be more precautious than doing it than we wouldn't, or we would. So just like figuring little things out 
And I think having a defense definitely helps too, just reading stuff. But yeah, I, I always ask him questions about base running. I mean, mm-hmm. and I just broke the record. So, I mean, that says something. You can always ask questions. I don't think you should, anyone should be scared about that at all. Yeah. So I'm just curious about how Tim Walton is because I think there's a lot of coaches here that probably want to learn a lot from him. If you make a mistake in a game, and it's not like life or death mistake because obviously everybody's going to get heated then, even yourself. But if it's a mistake that you make, do you go to him about it? Like, how does he react in a game setting when maybe you or someone else makes a mistake on the bases? Um, I think one is going to say a lot if you take ownership for your mistake. Don't try to say that, you know, you did this and someone blah, blah, blah. Just take ownership for making your mistake because we're all, you know, turning into young adults at this point, young women. So just own up to it. I think that's the first thing. And then he never is going to yell or freak out or anything like that. I mean, he's going to be pretty calm and just ask you most of the time. And as you get older, you'll figure out, okay, maybe that wasn't the best thing. And you'll kind of know what you did wrong, but I always just go to him. and I'm like, Hey, that's my bad. Like probably not the best thing I did, or I should have done this. And he's like, yeah, like no worries. Pat on the back, move on. Cause like at that point, there's nothing you can do about it after you make the mistake. It's you got 30 seconds to get out, figure out what you did wrong, learn from it, move on because you can't mm-hmm. change. So he's, he's really calm as a coach. You know, he's going to make you realize what you did wrong and what was probably the better thing if you don't know. And then we're going to go on from there and just learn from it at practice. You know, he's going to bring it up at practice. He will, he will always remember and bring it up at practice. <laughs> You're going to work on it for a good minute, but he's not doing it intentionally. He's just trying to make you better and figure out what's best for the team. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think what's cool about that is, if he's going to yell at you and freak out on you, you're going to want to like take a step back and not be as aggressive anymore. Yeah. And, and that's where I think I've seen it go the wrong way, but I'm glad that this is a, this is an experience that like a lot can learn from. It's like your player is only going to be as aggressive as you let them. And if you're just getting the pat on the back, like, Hey, we learned our lesson. Like you're a gamer. You don't Mm -hmm. like to make the same mistakes twice. So just dress it. That's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, there was an interview and they were talking about my speed with coach Wall and asking him questions. And he admitted that I had the green light, you know, but there's also going to be times that you're going to be like, what the heck is Skylar doing? Why did she do that? But at the same time, she's going to win ball games. It's basically what he said. And that's true because like, I'm not going to be perfect all the time. You know, there's going to be mistakes made and I'm going to figure that out along the way, but him giving me the, like the chance and opportunity to do that it's going to allow me to grow as a, a, a player. And I think him, you know, creating that space of, you know, we are not a, like scared to fail. We're not going to judge you for failing. It's huge. And that allows me to be the best athlete I can be and create chaos on the bag. And as an athlete or as a player, I think that's so good. I think you have to give your, your uh, players a chance to mess up because it's going to give you more chances of success in the long run. Amen to that. I can't mm-hmm. let you leave today without talking about sliding. Okay. Oh, okay. I, this is, this is one of those where it's like, it's so instinctual. Like yeah. it's hard to describe. Like when people are like, when should you hook slide? When should you not? I'm like, it depends on like 45 million factors actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's about reading what's in front of you. I think mm-hmm. mostly yep. now let's just like, start with this. You're stealing second. The player caught the ball and like you're within how do we say it? Like, this is like even hard for me to like, yeah, it's so hard. Sliding is like the hardest thing. So when, when do you have to hook slide in your mind? When are you hook sliding? 
uh, on a steal. See, I don't really even hook slide a lot of the time. If the ball beats you, do you hook slide? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's your only way. That's your yeah, only that's my only way to get in. So I'll try, yeah. but most of the time it's just a pop-up slide that I do. Because mm-hmm. if the ball beats me, then I'm dead out no matter what. Right. And then you can do like the Javi Baez, like sweep around, try to miss yeah. it and tag the back. That's a dream. Usually that's the only time I would ever try to hook slide and avoid a tag is when the ball has beat me to the bag and she's standing there with the ball in her glove. Okay. Okay. Every other time you're going straight in. Mm-hmm. I always go for the back corner, the corner farthest away from where they're, they're set up. Back corner. That's mm-hmm. good. How do you, how do you slide? Do you go left foot under right foot on top straight? Yep. Right yep. foot straight, left foot under. Yep. Now at home. One time I accidentally went head first into home and I regretted that for the rest of my life. <laughs> you don't recommend going head first into home, correct? I can't Unless, say. Okay. I head first, I broke that record though. That's true. That's true. This is the part where like, I'm thinking about my youth players mm-hmm. and I'm going to say all day, every day, don't do it. Yeah. Like, no, it's kind of yeah. like a face mask thing. Like wear a face mask until you are just a magician with the glove. Right. right. And like, if you're going to slide, I'm going to recommend a young athlete, like always go feet first, figure out how to go feet first because the game you're going to instinctually like accidentally go head first at some point in time. Like I did. And I broke my thumb. It wasn't in the park home run though. So I'm not going to like be mad about it Um, (laughs) (laughs) against ULL. And they were like ranked number four in the nation. It was just, okay. So I did that, but I, I think of the little ones and I think of like, Oh my gosh, like what if they decide to go head first into home and break their hand because the catch into the catcher's, like it just, it's hard. Never, never into home. And I know that's contradictory of what I've done, but like, I don't even think about sliding head first. Like I can't think about doing it or I'll just mess up or belly flop or something. So <laughs> when I head first, when you see me head first slide, just know like that was completely instincts to do. Like mm-hmm. I didn't, my body just hurled itself to the ground basically. Cause I did not think about that, but yeah, I would never go feet first or head first into home. It's always feet first as, as a little girl. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you're hundred mm-hmm. percent confident in your sliding and you're older, you're matured with the game and you've learned things. And maybe, maybe at that point, you know, kind of do what you want. But even I don't even like sliding headfirst into home still. The one time I okay. did. Yeah. It just, I'm um, glad we I made that what happened, Honestly, I can't tell you what happens when I slide headfirst. It just, my body does something. I don't know. Yeah. You are a mitten, right? Yes, I do. On my left hand. On- Left hand. Is that just so you don't get stepped on, on your mm-hmm. approach? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My sister wore a mitten too. For those of you who don't know what mittens are like, go watch Skylar run the bases and you'll see yep, she's wearing like this oven. It's like an oven mitt. Uh-huh. I honestly would um, wear one on both hands if I could. Some people. So my sister wore it cause she had broken that hand before. So it's one of those, but have you injured your hand or is that just something you like the mitten because you want to keep your hand intact and not get stepped on? I've broken three of my fingers from sliding head first, actually. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. So try to protect that. But at the same time, it's just, you know, a thing that coach Walton likes. If you're ever going to dive head first, you're going to wear a mitt. So something mm-hmm. like that, but I'd also would, would wear one no matter what he thought of them anyways, because you just never know just weird things happen and trying to protect my hand as much as possible. Cause I've already broken those two fingers. So I'm not trying to do that again. And I also, yeah. It helps with, um, I always drag my hand when I slide. So it helps with that too. Mm-hmm. 
sliding. Me too. Try to just protect it as much as possible. Not trying to get any injuries out there. Yeah. Okay. One more question about sliding. It may lead to five more questions. We'll see. Going into home. What are you looking for? What reads can you think of at the top of your head that you're like, I will do this when I see this? I know it's hard because you have to kind of like put yourself into the games you played last year to kind of give some insight. Um, I always, I almost always hook slid, hook slid into home. Yeah. If a lot the catcher was receiving in front. Yeah. I guess, I mean, the main thing I'm really looking at is the catcher and what her body language, not just her setup, but her body language is saying. And then kind of, I guess, yeah, her feet is a huge thing. She's going to tell you when the ball is coming and if you need to get in there, a hook slide or something quick and avoid attack. Her feet are going to tell you a lot. So I think her feet and her body language is what I'm looking for the most. Okay. Can you give examples of that? Like if Um, her feet are turning? If her chest and she's facing out to the field and she's just kind of like standing there you know with her shoulders like down drooping like obviously there's not going to be a play so maybe you can go for standing up oh yeah reminds me you can go standing up with your feet you know just kind of run through but if she's her feet are moving and she's like anticipating a play that's when i'm going to go outside no matter what just to avoid a tap because it happens like super quick so I'm going right. to hook side outside. So it's just kind of like what her shoulders are doing and she's drooping, you know, kind of just like not really saying anything, being vocal, or if she's being vocal and like anticipating a play or creating the chaos for a play, automatic hook slide. The second thing I forgot I'm looking for is my on deck batter because they're going to tell you a lot and they're your eyes for you. So they should be in front of you, visions, hands up, hands up, you're up, you're up, you're up, being super loud or down to the left you know, hook slide, whatever. I, that's the second thing I look for is what they're doing too. Good. That's really good. Cause you can't tell like where the ball is, no. right? Like if you are like driven to go to the bag and get there fast, mm-hmm. you have to one, like obviously get the circle, get the arm to say that you're going, but right. they can kind of see like, do you have time to yeah. like hook slide or is the ball going to beat you there? You need a hook slide or yeah. is it going to be close? Like just get to the bag. Like Your there's, there's so everything. many things. So and, and that's where people and coaches, you need to train this. You need to yes. train your on-deck batter. Because yes. if your on-deck batter is not trained, yes. If they are not trained to be in the right setup, to tell about a, a runner to go on the outside or straight in or up, like, it's a, it's, that, there is, it's a whole nother game in itself right there. Right. Right. And it's so important because they're not just their eyes, but that can protect injuries or anything from happening to your, your player. I mean, yeah, that on base has a huge role or on deck has a huge role, not just to stand mm-hmm. there pretty. Yeah. Is there anything else that we missed that you're like, uh, people need to know this about base running or sliding or speed other than that speed kills? We hit a lot. We did hit a lot. I don't think I have. We hit a lot of stuff. I'm sure I can think of stuff. Oh, like a question I get all the time. Okay, one more. When you're at first, and obviously a lot of things play into this, but mm-hmm. balls foul, let's say somewhere in foul territory, how do you know if you can go? Like, it's going to depend on a lot of things, but. No, I um, First thing is know your speed, if you can get there. But what is your alpha? Are they catching it standing up? Are they moving away from the field? Are they running towards the field, like bringing it in? Do they look like they're going to leave their feet? Yeah, I think there's a lot of 
components that go to that. But I think knowing yourself and what the outfielder is doing and reading her and always turn to face the bag. So if you're tagging up on a foul ball, make sure your body is facing it. So then you can just explode right off immediately after that. Don't try to look over your shoulder. Just set yourself up in a good position to be looking at her directly and what's going mm-hmm. on. That's so good. Like if she leaves her feet, it's like automatic. Unless yeah, she's leaving her feet right next to third, then you yes. may need to be smarter. Yeah. Like if she, she leaves her feet, yeah. Sideways. Is she going backwards for a catch? You know, she deep because that's a good that's a good throw. Maybe you can have to hit a cut for that. Yeah. What is what is your outfitter looking like she's doing? I think that's a huge, huge thing to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that reminds me of two. Like if you're, I mean, I'm a lefty, so I'm always sometimes like spraying something to left field but if i ever see it if i'm like rounding first and i see that left fielder bobble it even like for a second oh it's automatic oh yeah absolutely never oh this is my biggest thing and i do it till this day always come out of the box hard to first base because you never know what's going to happen and you can turn a, a ball that should be a single into a double easily and it's the best thing and even if it's a pop up run as hard as you can run as hard as you can. If you're pissed off, run as hard as you can. If you didn't like how you swung, run as hard as you can. If you didn't like the pitch and you were wondering why you swung at it, run as hard as you can, because just because it's a pop-up does not mean it's an out. Mm-hmm. Just, just run because there's been a time that the ball has dropped dead in the middle of the pitcher and the catcher. And I'm standing on second base because of it. Mm-hmm. Like just run hard. You just never know. Yeah. And it can add like a little more stress too. Like if it's an infield pop right. up and you're like full speed, they're going to be like, wait, I hear, I hear feet. Like, but I have to catch uh, it. You know? You're just like, Oh frick. Like what obviously you can't touch them. Let's make yeah, that clear. Too. Like, them, because that's <laughs> not good, but yes, run as hard as you can. It's just, it looks good. And it, it creates chaos. Even, even if the ball is just a blooper into the air, it does not matter. They still got to yeah. catch it and make a play. So good. So good. Man, I want to play again so I can run bases like you. Where can people who are listening that are like, I'm obsessed with all of the stuff that I just learned. I want to follow Skylar. Where can people do that? Where do you like to hang out? So first things, Instagram, Skylar.Wallace, S-K-Y-L-A-R-W-A-L-L-A-C-E. And then TikTok, Skylar.Wallace too. That's where I'm at a lot of the times. And then I have Twitter. I don't even know what my username is on that. But TikTok and Instagram is where I'm most active. Perfect. I love it. I'll put that all in the show notes so your fangirls can go follow you or just anybody who just loves you. Any questions, I always look through my DMs and stuff. So I'll be more than happy to answer some questions if I can. So sweet. Perfect. All right. You ready for some five to thrive? Yeah. Rapid fire questions. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, great. The first one I need to know is your favorite sports movie. Blindside. Great one. Mm -hmm. That's such, and it's pretty new. Yeah, I love that one. I just watched it recently too. It's a great one. What is a mistake that you've made as a base runner that you learned the most from? Oh my God. She's made thousands before. She's normal. On first or third and getting picked off. Like too too cocky in a way where I was getting too big of a lead, even though I wasn't stealing, just getting automatically picked off. Like You were the runner at first? Yeah, first or third. I've had it happen at both bags. Honestly, like yeah. just getting a little too ahead of myself in a situation where it was important to be smart on the base and just got automatically picked. Yeah. yeah. First and thirds are tough. Yeah. They're they really are. tough. 
They are. Uh, That's probably one of my biggest. It's just not being aware of what's going on. Just mm-hmm. being a little, a little caught up in my own self. Man, I think the worst practices were we had to work on first and thirds. Yes, <laughs> but but we, we worked on them every day. So. I hate them as a defense too. I hate first and thirds. They, no they, really, they really suck. Um, but that's uh, another thing is like when you were talking about live hitting, like unless you're practicing it live, your it team's like your base runners aren't going to know when they can go. So it, it is a must, even though players and coaches right. probably hate practicing first and thirds, right. but super huge on teaching moments. Yeah. I'm just going to lay that out there. It happens a lot too. Unfortunately, a lot of first and thirds. Yeah. Tons and tons of times. How proud are you of your shoe collection? Oh, I'm a little proud. I'm not too proud because I want it to be bigger. And then there's always room for more. <laughs> I have some, I have some uh, confidence in my, my shoe game. I think it's ironic that you're super speedy and you take your shoes seriously as well. Oh yeah. I mean, do you have a favorite shoe right now? It's always going to be my Jordan uh, university blues, Jordan fours. Mm -hmm. Those are my favorite. I know nothing about shoes, so I'm going to have to look up what that is. You want me to show you? I mean, if it's close by, of course. Yeah. Hold on two seconds. Anybody that watches this on YouTube is getting a show today. Oh, those are sick, dude. Yeah, I love these. Oh, those are amazing. I just love the blue on them. But yeah, those yeah. are my favorite. Those are really cool. Yeah. Man, I, I need to amp up my shoe game. My my best shoe game is my golf shoe game. <laughs> hey, the golf shoes are kind of cute. I know I'm getting into I know. That's I know. I'll send you the picture of the ones that um I just got. They're kind of tight on me, but I don't care. They're just cute. Okay. Yeah. Since and I time. tend to, I tend oh. to play better when I wear them because I think I just feel swaggy, but <laughs> <laughs> Hey, if you look good, you feel good and play good. Exactly. We need to put that on a t-shirt too. Um, all right. I think that was three questions. Uh, who has been the greatest role model or mentor in your life that's influenced you? I have three. Oh, go. One's my dad, obviously. Then my second dad, Patrick Lewis. And then my grandma is my third one. All three of those have impacted my life in more ways than I can count. And I probably wouldn't be the person or athlete at all if it wasn't for those three. I love it. Before I ask the last question, I need to thank you for coming on and sharing your wisdom about base running. I've been dying to have somebody as passionate about base running as me on the show because sometimes my voice, it's like, it's here every week. I need someone like other than me talking about this <laughs> talking because, about it. because I am obsessed with it, but I hope people through this. And I know people through this interview are going to appreciate base running more at least, and mm-hmm. also feel like they know more. And I hope so. I hope that people all over the country and, technically the world because this podcast is listened to all over are going to take base running seriously and start working it's on a, it. It's a key component to the game can change a lot of things. So it I truly is. But it's, it's been a fun. So thank you for having me anytime. You're so welcome. Always down to chat. Love me good, too. Good little song. I know. Yeah. And I'm sure there's more questions. People are like, wait, you didn't talk about this. Yeah. That's the game. There's so much other things we could have talked about. Yeah, but there's so many. We other- gave you so much today. It's insane. <laughs> um, you're gonna have to play this on replay. Yeah, for sure. All right, last question. What would you say to an athlete who says, "I could never be a good base runner"? To trust yourself, never doubt yourself, always bet on yourself because you're your biggest enemy, but your best friend too. 
So just always bet on yourself because you never know what you can do unless you try. Always try. Yeah. So good. A lot of people give it up because they were told that they won't be it, but prove people wrong. Bet on yourself. Let's yeah. go. Bet on yourself because you're your best friend. Why not? Amen. All right, Skylar, this has been amazing. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes, I hope you learned so much about not only the fact that speed kills, but also being smart is truly what kills on the bases. If you feel like you gained a lot of knowledge in regards to base running, can you please share this with a friend? This is probably the aspect of the game that isn't shared or talked about enough or even practiced enough. And if you simply share this with one person or write a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, it'll help the word of especially base running and this podcast get out to many more so that more people can help grow the game. And I know that's what we all want. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And don't forget to stay awkward, stay humble, Keep smiling and keep working so hard towards those goals of yours. All right, I'll see you next week.